I think theology's for the clergy. I just believe in Jesus. Certain hermeneutics of eschatology demand an exegetical approach. I think you shouldn't question what you were taught in church. Isn't that blasphemy or something? Welcome back, friends. You're joining us here in the studio at the Credo House for the third session of Theology Unplugged of um, our particular topic here, our particular controversial topic that we are continuing. Glad you have joined us. If you are here for the first time, please uh, check us out. Go to um, go to iTunes, which maybe that's where you found us at, but uh, check out some of our past broadcasts. We've been around for a while Theology Unplugged is a ministry of Reclaiming the Mind Ministries, and it's really a ministry that is designed to help you just join into a theological conversation, whatever one we have got going on at the time. And we try to bring up some of the most relevant issues in uh, Christian theology, but we also talk a little bit about dogs and a little bit about uh, coffee and a little bit about other things. Or a lot about it if you listen to the last broadcast. Yeah, if you listen to the broad, last broadcast. we got Tim joining us. My name is Michael Patton. I am um, uh, work here at the Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. Tim Kimberly also works here at Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. Both of us are graduates of Dallas Theological Seminary, the greatest seminary that uh, God has put on the earth as of yet. Not saying it's the greatest seminary ever, because who knows what he's going to do later on. Yeah. You know? Well, and Princeton was nice for a while as it was, well. It was. So, so at this time period, the last hundred years or so, yeah. since its inception. Yeah. They're, I'm not it's saying there's a, not other good ones out there. It's just, it is just yeah. the greatest. Yeah. So um, we are glad you've been able to uh, join us here soon, soon. Uh, that's what we're sticking with. Soon and very soon. Soon and very soon. We are going to be... Um, Doing some live broadcast, call-in broadcast I, with actual phone yes. call-in. Not just the Internet like we've done in the past, but now we're going to give you a number, and you can call and ask us questions. We'll hang up on you if we don't know the answer. Or if we know the answer, we'll say, that's a great question because we know the answer. Yeah, that's And then right. we'll go on that's to right. we'll say, say pontificate. Pass that question on. Yeah, that's and, a good one. And uh, we'll cut you off and hang up on you if you like argue against our position and we think it's a good argument and it makes us look bad, we'll just hang up. We'll and if you're female, out. just know from the beginning, Michael doesn't get it. Yeah, yeah. If so. you're female, just walk me through it, please. <laughs> just use very small words and speak very slow. Right? Hey, last time I said, I used to not get it. Okay? <laughs> oh, okay. I, I'm now in the process of living with women in an understanding way. That's great. Just because you're not, just because you haven't graduated. <laughs> Now, how many uh, how many kids do you have? Again? I have four. Four. And yes. three are female. Nope, two. Two, two, sorry. Two. Caitlin and Kylie, my first two. Caitlin, Kylie, that's right. They are uh, 11 and 9 years old, and we have a blast together. Good one. And how long have you been married? Uh, God, that's a good question. Since 97, so 97. whatever that is. <laughs> Almost 13 years, I guess. Yeah. Wow. Goodness gracious. And you have, I have three kids. And I, guys, I'm sorry. You got the email maybe before if you're on our email list. And I said two. But uh, that wasn't living with Tim in an understanding way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have three. But uh, I have an excuse because tell us how old your youngest is. My youngest is two months old. So, so yeah. Easy to forget about. So you're just a couple months behind. Yeah, yeah. That's okay. And I've been married about six years. Or and so. and uh, girls, boys? Girl, boy, girl. Girl, boy, girl girl names hannah silas grace 
And I said, you, you see, you're very biblical with the names we weren't. Yeah, well. We did the Caitlin Kylie. We did do William, which is my dad's first name, William Michael. Michael is my middle name. Okay, which Michael's an angel. Yeah, so that's right. That's who, who's like God. And then uh, with Zach, it was Zachary, Christopher, Zachary Michael. So okay. Christopher, William, and then Zachary Michael. Now, wait a minute. I got the last one wrong. I always get my kids names wrong. <laughs> Did you know whenever I was, or whenever I was, um, whenever I was, uh, with Kylie, we were dedicating her and the pastor asked me her name and I said it wrong. So, I remember, yes, when uh, Michael's wife tells that story, it's very funny. Christopher William is my first boy. Zachary Michael is my second. Christopher's my See, first you're name. you're even kind of turning red just thinking I about know, it. I know, it is. I'm just very embarrassed right now, and I'm trying to figure out how to go unplugged and, you know, edit this out without, you know, Well, a good way to look at it is probably it's only up from here. You know, you're kind of in the gutter right now. So. Yeah, I know, I know. Well, Christy won't listen to this, and she will not have a uh, another... Uh, weapon to use against me whenever we're out at dinner with folks to laugh at me, which is one of her favorite things to do. Okay, what are we talking about here, Tim? Well, the last two weeks we've been talking about women in ministry, but we've really zoomed out. That's what we're calling this podcast, but we've really zoomed out and are saying that this does relate to women in ministry, but we're talking about a bigger picture here of just how God has created the the different sexes, men and women, and looking at egalitarian, which is a, a pretty popular position that just basically says that men and women are equal equal in role uh, very i mean obvious there are some physiological differences but but looking beyond those is saying that women and men that we have we have gone to a place we've graduated to a place as you said last broadcast that we are we are beyond looking at that there are different roles between men and men and women and what we are talking about and both of us are saying is that that we hold to a position of called complementarian position that just as it sounds that men and women complement each other with different roles. Yes, and and you know, I think what we probably want to do soon is move to a defense of each position. Okay. I, I think that people need to be educated a little bit about how it is that somebody would defend an egalitarian position, especially whenever there seems to be so many definite scriptures mm. that tell women, you know, uh that that the husband is the head of the wife, like Christ is the head of the church. Mm. Uh, women submit to your husbands, as is right with the Lord. Um, Peter says the same thing to women. And it seems to be that there are some definite passages in the scripture that tell us that there are not only these distinctions between men and women, but there are definite leadership. There, There's a definite hierarchy. And as we were talking about this, we just, if people... It's been a while since I listened to the last broadcast. We were talking here about an issue that is very, very popular or very – it brings a lot of emotion to people. It's probably the most emotion to people within the church right now uh, across the, the spectrum. But it's also one that we're saying is not – one of the big issues of the faith that these are still people that we're we're all going to heaven together who are trusting in Jesus as their savior and it's not a it's not dividing the church in the essence of believers or non-believers so in other words if somebody if somebody doesn't agree with our complementarian position we're not saying gosh we probably think you're going to hell yeah no they can come to the credo house and have a luther latte even on us perhaps but they or can't maybe have, on you they they can't have a complementarian cappuccino right that's true. We don't have one of those yet, though, right? 
I don't think so. What would what would how would we make that complimentary and cappuccino? I think it would probably be it'd have to be a blend of maybe vanilla syrup and chocolate syrup because they complement each other. Yeah. And if you're an egalitarian cappuccino or an egalitarian latte, really you just put in one mixture. That's it. Yeah, it'd be kind of double. Yeah. But let's so from a defending you definitely i mean you live and breathe these issues you are definitely very well versed in both sides you are not someone who is saying i'm complementarian and i'm closing off all ideas of thinking about egalitarian you are one who has really stepped into egalitarian and thought through from those lenses of thinking through theology thinking through the bible so do you want to now would this be a good time to basically be an egalitarian and to tell us how you're reviewing some of these verses well no let's let's wait just a second because i want to back up for one moment and talk about something you brought up i think two sessions ago and you said that and and you can defend this and you can stick with this but i want to bring it up and and talk about it from my perspective okay you said something like uh and, and this may have been in the first broadcast i'm not sure you said something like that if it wasn't in the bible you would be an egalitarian probably well, I mean, hey, I don't want you to quote me, even though you just quoted me. <laughs> well, I mean, you gave it to me. I well, think. I, I put it somewhere. out there as more of a question of, yes, without the Bible, would we all be egalitarian with the idea of knowing how our culture is and, and knowing indeed that that we have come a long ways out of sexism. We've come a lot of long ways out of many racist views, socioeconomic views. And so where we know many egalitarians would look at the complementarians and saying, you guys are stuck in the 1930s, 40s, 50s, whatever decade it may be before human rights marches and stuff like uh-huh. that. And so, um, so, you know, would we have all just been swept into that and thinking that, that when we look at a distinction between men and women, that we are stuck somewhere in the past in a negative spot. I think you could. I think there would be a good argument made for that. I mean, people make it all the time with regards to slavery. I, I, I talked to an egalitarian not too long ago who said that this, who used to be a complementarian, a very strong complementarian, he said, I came to realize that this is the slavery issue of the 21st century and that this, we are going to look back upon this with as much embarrassment as we do upon the slavery issue, especially whenever Christians were defending slavery. Now, I completely disagree with that simply because the slavery issue is not a fundamental theological issue. It it it, it is not a, It was not a debate on whether or not people are equal. Mm-hmm. It was just a debate on whether or not, from a society standpoint, slavery can be uh, uh, allowed for. That was, that's completely different. And some of those people did use the Bible to support that. Yeah, they used the Bible but to support it. But it wasn't a core theological discussion. It's not discussion. theological in its foundation. It, yeah. was so, it was about society. And people tried to back it up one way or the other with the Bible on both sides. But in the end, when we're talking about complementarianism, we are talking about a purely theological issue. Mm-hmm. And, and one of the things that I would say is, yes, I think you're right that if you wanted to go in that direction, which you, you're, you're noncommittal on, um, <laughs> you're right that I think that people probably would. There would be a lot more if the Bible didn't say it because it's a lot easier to be a egalitarian. Mm-hmm. That's just kind of you, you would be going with a flow of society. Which isn't always bad. I mean, mm-hmm. sometimes society is going in the right direction. Yeah. Whereas Christianity can be going in the wrong direction. So I don't want to spin it as if, you know, those people go th- flow of society, I go against the grain. That's a good you point. Know, what's, what's the best way to go? Yeah. But 
At the same time, here's what I would say. I would say for me, the foundation of complementarianism is not, is not whether or not women can be pastors. It's not who has the leadership authority in the home. For me, the complementarian position starts here. It starts with the assumption that men and women are fundamentally different. In other words, men and women have different essential characteristics that define them as women and define them as men. I start with the assumption that there is a way to bring up boys to be men. There is a way to bring up women or girls to be women. And I start with the assumption that it is right that we do so, that we teach, that I teach my son, that I teach Will, that I teach Zach to be men, Mm -hmm. and that I exemplify what being a man is like in my life, while the women, while the girls need to be taught to be women. Mm -hmm. And there are going to be certain characteristics that make us very different, as we talked about in the last broadcast. There is just the thinking differences the way in which our brains work, the hormonal differences, all of these, I mean, to say nothing of the physical differences, but all of these produce different types of people. Now, we're more alike than we are different, okay? Mm -hmm. So, So let's just go there first. We're much more alike than we are different. So I'm not saying, you know, one's a, one's a, uh, you know, this type of animal and this one's another type of or animal. Or that one's good and one's bad. It, for sure. Yeah. But God has created us different by design in that we function together to be able to represent the fullness of the image of God. To complement each other. Yeah. And I often tell people to do this. I don't, did I even mention this on the first one? Just tell me if I did. But I often tell people to close their, close their eyes and imagine a world where it's only men and say, what would that world be like? And I do this often in my classes and they describe a world and usually it's not going to smell very good. (laughs) And usually there's going to be a lot of aggression, a lot of fighting, a lot of competition. Um, and and just not so much care about beautifying the world or nurturing the world, kind of this hardness that is there. Mm. That'd be some of the bad things. Okay. I'm just focusing on the bad things and then close your eyes and imagine a world that is only women. Okay. What would that look like? to you i'm, I'm gonna let you do this because you're scared. putting me on the spot oh, right I, now I, I <laughs> can i plead uh, the fifth I'll, I'll just capitalize on what you say <laughs> yeah i mean well there'd be a lot of good things for sure there'd be a lot of nurturing there'd be a I'm lot i'm not talking about the good things just bad things you want me to say just bad things because yeah. i did with men yeah yeah but it's easy to do it <laughs> i'll start yeah. it off okay okay you get you give me get the ball rolling uh, the, the world would be i think a lot more emotional Okay. okay, and a lot more. There'd be a lot more of a a depression that you have because of uh, lack of of uh, direction, or, and anxiety perhaps as well. Anxiety. I know, like for this might be a little side note, but our for the last two years I've been a pastor at a church, and on day one another pastor came up to me and said, "There are just some things that you shouldn't share with your wife." And I kind of pushed back and I was like, well, no, I want to share everything. You know, my Patty and I share everything with each other. And he was like, well, I mean, you will encounter things that there's just a weight that, that men can usually carry without being totally wrapped into it emotionally. That you can know about certain situations within the church that you need to know about because you're shepherding those people. But it, 
you'll be able to sleep at night still. But if your wife knew the same thing, she might not be able to sleep at night and she might be all racked with anxiety. Yeah, and so, yeah. and, and I found that to be true. I asked Patty and I said, Hey, is this true? And she was like, yeah, you know, and so we came up with kind of a code word that when she would ask me a question, I'd have to say, well, that falls into this area and I can tell you, but are you sure that you don't want to know? And she'd be like, Oh yeah, yeah. I don't need to know about that. Yeah. I just trust you that you're bearing that weight, yeah. you know? And so, because she would have had a lot more anxiety about the situation than I did. Well, the point is you may not agree with me folks who are listening to this, whether what the differences would be. Yeah. yeah. All you have to really agree is that there would be some massive differences. Yeah. And the complementarian assumes differences in the sexist to the degree that if it was all women, it'd be a different world. If mm-hmm. it was all men, it would be a different world. Now, if you give me that assumption, then you would say, well, what are the characteristics that are good and bad within each sex that are generally speaking good and bad within each sex? And what are the characteristics that we would say that are good that women can do better than men and that men can do better than women? And shouldn't we, and here's the key question, here's the key, because you may agree with me up to this point. But here's where you cross the line, in my view, of being an egalitarian to a complementarian. Because you may agree with me that the differences are there, but you're not quite a complementarian yet. Okay. If you agree with me that the differences are there and that while these differences predispose us towards one certain role or activity or another, we also need to nurture each other or each sex in those differences in order to capitalize on them. Mm -hmm. Those are the two key words, nurturing and capitalization. From a complementarian perspective, complementarians say we should nurture men to be men because we need them to grow up and be a certain way. So maybe capitalize, maybe like develop could be a synonymous word there too. We want – so – when you recognize that, then you can develop it and grow and, and develop those, well, it's, those things. Well, it's developing to capitalize or nurturing to capitalize. Yeah. That's the idea. Why do we nurture them in this way? Because we believe that it will capitalize or make a better society, a more, mm-hmm. a more of a society the way that God intended. Mm-hmm. That, that whenever we have the, the Adam and Eve come together, the, the world will function better. The world will will look more like God's image. Mm. And so, therefore, the nurturing is there. Now, at that point, if you say, yes, I think we ought to teach men, boys, to be men. And there is a distinction. There is a masculinity that is there that is good. Um, if you cross that bridge with me, good. From my standpoint, you are a complementarian no matter what you do with the women in ministry deal, no matter what you do with the, um, the issue of um, leadership in the home. Okay? You may go different directions, but you have understood the foundational component of complementarianism. If you stop me there and say, even though, Michael, I do agree that there are fundamental differences that are characteristic within men and women, I don't think we should nurture them. What, what, you, what you would be saying to me is this. I'm not going to try to teach my, man, my, my boy to be a man because that presupposes too much. Maybe he doesn't want to be a man like uh, the world says or like society says. I'm just going to let him grow and develop the way he develops. Now, when you said a man like the world or society, did you mean like towards the way of of, of the design of a man to be a leader and things like that? Is that what you're talking about? It could be. Yeah. But from an egalitarian perspective, what they would say is that, Michael, you're trying to promote just what society promotes. 
And you're saying just because society today says a man should act this way, that I should train up my man or my boy that way, then that uh, just because of that, you're all of a sudden saying it's right. They would say you're just playing into society. There's not a transcendent difference between masculinity and femininity. In other words, you're just you're just continuing to teach what was taught to you, what was taught to your dad, yeah, to your exactly. grandfather, and stuff like exactly. that. Exactly. And so they would usually blame it on the society and say society did, has determined what men and women are supposed to be like. And I'm not gonna go along with society here. I'm gonna let my girl and my boy grow up in such a way to where they can display characteristics of the society and masculinity or they can be feminine if they want. Mm -hmm. In other words, it's kind of like you're saying, I am going to take a gender-inclusive approach to child-rearing. I'm not going to try to bring my child up in a certain way. I'm just going to let them develop on their own. And so you haven't crossed the bridge with me. Even though you've recognized that there are general differences between men and women, you are not going to train them up in such a way. You are not a complementarian at that point. The complementarian says not only are there differences, but we need to nurture those differences. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, that those differences are good. Those differences are what God intends. And that there are bad things that men can do more than women, and we need to nurture those. And there are good things that men can do more than women. There are bad things that women can do more than men. We need to nurture those and make sure that we're uh, guiding in the right direction. Whenever it says, shine up a child in the way he should go, we believe that there's a way for men and a way for women. You see what I'm saying? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So that's kind of the foundation of complementarianism from my perspective. The next steps are, how does that apply? And that's whenever you get into the women in ministry, and whenever I got into in the first broadcast, this. I believe that men in the pastoral position, and this is just a good summary of what I said at the very beginning, men in the pastoral position are more equipped to lead a church because from Paul's perspective, whenever he writes to Timothy that women should not teach but should uh, listen to the uh, teaching of a man, uh, I do not allow a woman to teach or to exercise authority over a man. Uh, whenever he says that, he is assuming that in the role of elder or shepherd or pastor or church leader or head pastor, however you want to put it, however you function. Overseer. Overseer. Mm-hmm. That those roles require confrontation with false teaching and false doctrine. And that men are better equipped because they they command more respect in these areas. And Paul assumes that. That's the way that we've been made. Rebukes, exhortation, um, correction. Those are things that Paul says to do with the scripture. Correct, train, rebuke. Um, Those things are much, much better coming from a man, especially to a man, than they are from a woman to a man. Men simply are not going to listen as well. And that's why I brought up at the very beginning the illustration of, of uh, you know, a robber mm-hmm. in our house. Men stand up and are to take leadership in roles that could require some type of confrontation. But not only that, the others will respond more if it's a man. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's kind of the foundational components that I see. Uh, in the house, leadership role, I think there are many things in the Bible that tell us that the man is to be the leader in the home. 
However, a couple of things, Tim, that I'm not saying, and I think this is important. I'm not saying that men are the leaders over women in general. Okay. I'm not saying that you can go out to, you know, Walmart and some woman's uh, uh, buying something that you don't think is healthy and you walk up and say, no, you can't buy that. You know, you need mm-hmm. to buy this because it's more healthy and that she's supposed to submit to you. That's just silly. Not saying that women are not good teachers at all. Not saying that women are not smart. Not saying that they're not smart as men. I think the women are just as smart as men. I think women can figure things out just as well as men. I think that there are some things that women can figure out better than men. I think there's some things in areas that men can figure out better than women. Okay, that's just that's just a side note. I'm just saying the particular leadership positions that we're called on to have in the church, they are better suited for men. And that's why Paul admonishes us to do such. Mm-hmm. That's my particular complementarian position. It's more of a soft complementarian mm-hmm. because I will allow a woman to teach in my church. It's just that I will not allow her to have that role as elder in a discipleship authority over other men. Hmm. Whenever Paul says, I do not allow one to teach or to exercise authority, I think in the context he's talking about running the church, teaching the church on a continual basis, and exercising authority on a continual basis. Not necessarily just uh, you know coming in and having a special guest in our church like they did at Irving Bible Church that caused so much controversy. Hmm. They had a woman come in take the pulpit one time and it just people fell apart Hmm. i wouldn't have a problem with that Hmm. you know i I can listen to women i think women are great teachers it's just whenever it comes to those uh primary positions of authority i mean we could have somebody come on here on theology unplugged and teach Mm -hmm. i mean that's that's not the issue yeah education is not the issue i can have somebody like dallas seminary has uh what's her name Oh, Dorian Cooper Cox. Yeah, who, yeah. Who teaches in the Old Testament? Yeah, department. she's an excellent Hebrew teacher. There's yeah. no problem with that. Why? Because she is not fulfilling the role that Paul, I think, is specifically talking about in the church that mm-hmm. involves exhortation, rebuking, and those types of discipleship things. Mm-hmm. Those specific types of discipleship things. Mm-hmm. You're awful quiet. Where? What's going on? Uh, no, I'm. Uh, I'm just hanging. Yeah, I'm definitely agreeing with what you're saying. Um, and I'm definitely, I would say too, uh, we talked about this uh, off broadcast one time as well, is uh, I also think there are many men in the church that would be absolute, that are in complementarian churches or even in egalitarian churches as well, but many men who would be happy just to sit on the couch and let women lead. And which uh, one thing I love about scripture here as well and, and talking about this is that as a side note of application is it, it calls men to not be passive, you know, kind of that question of where was Adam when Eve was eating the fruit, you know, shouldn't have he been, been, you know, if, if Satan is tempting your wife, you should be there with a baseball bat, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, where was he, you know, wh- was he hiding somewhere or why wasn't he leading his, his family at that time? And I think there are so many absent men in churches all across the world where one thing I love about, about this and about the complementarian view is it doesn't say oh yeah feel free just be in the back row be one of those those 80 percent of people who don't do anything in the church but instead it's saying men we need to no matter what role you do have at the church yes some definitely have have higher roles than others but to say men if you are a believer you're at a church you need to be a leader in whatever capacity i think and there are for sure he gifts people to be leaders as as senior pastors and stuff like that but Mm -hmm. with this idea of 
we need to, as men, be men who, who lead and who not just step aside and let our wives or let other women do everything because, uh, because that's not God's design and because we need to uncover what, what you've been saying is in the DNA of a man as well is that God has designed us to be that leader that we need to be. We just need to courageously step into it. Mm-hmm. And so many times we're just, we're scared of failure and that's one of the characteristics of men that is, yeah. that is ironically connected to our leadership. We're scared of failure. And, yeah. Uh, Therefore, we sometimes go into leadership hibernation, mm. and women have to step in and do mm. what men are not doing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's sinful whenever yeah. they do that. You know, I think it's just that's the that's the sinful tendency of men sometimes, and sometimes we're domineering, and sometimes we go into hibernation. And mm-hmm. uh, we just need to be able to do what we do right. Women, same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, if we begin to appreciate, and this is the argument I'll make later on, but if we begin to appreciate more what what women do bring the unique characteristics of women and and exemplify or or uh elevate those to a position to where goodness uh you know it's the most important thing in society you know what what women bring is the most important thing once once we begin to do that yeah then i think we facilitate the overcoming of the curse that says women, your desire will be for the man or your desire will be in my understanding to usurp the -hmm. role of the man. Well, when you're being a great leader, those whom you're leading, you're, you're nurturing them and you're allowing them to excel, you know? And I think that that is a common misconception of the complementarian view is that we are singing a song that's always in the minor key that we're always Mm -hmm. negative and that we're always just telling women, no, no, no. But instead the what we're seeing and what you're saying is that we are, as leaders are nurturing women to be all that God has created them to be in a positive way. And folks, I mean, here's one thing, and I know we're out of time again. Um, you gain the right to lead. Mm-hmm. You don't demand no. submission. You don't demand someone to follow you. Men who are out there who are abusing your authority in any sense, you don't have any authority. You don't, if you're abusing your authority, you don't have it. You have not earned the right for it. Do not tell your woman to submit or your wife to submit or women to submit in general. You lead, and if they follow, then you are a blessing to them, and you are fulfilling your role. But you have no right to force anybody to submit. You can't force submission. People who are to submit to one another, it is their prerogative. Mm -hmm. And if you're leading well and somebody's not submitting to you, it's not your fault. Mm -hmm. It's not your fault. That is something else that's another issue. Don't get too frustrated with it, and don't think, gosh, I'm not fulfilling my role. But just pray about it, and maybe God will change the hearts and people will follow. But you cannot force submission, and it is sinful for you to abuse your authority in such a way. I just want to address that. Well, because if you're a leader of a church, you're not leading some independent organization. You're leading people who are following God. And that means that you are the leader of of a group of people who are following a living God. Yeah. And so when you are taking that in a domineering way, you're not being a slave to Christ. I, I don't think that there's any time, and I've never told my wife to submit, never yeah. once. Never said, did you know you're supposed to submit to me here? And I'm calling upon my trump card of submission. 
never said anything like that to my wife. I I stay so far away from that. If I am leading well, and she knows and I know what the Bible says about this, she will be convicted to follow. And I pray that she does. And it's her responsibility to. Mm-hmm. But if I if she doesn't, it's not my responsibility to make her. I just do what I do. And that's what we have to do in every situation. Mm-hmm. Okay, folks, tense, tense there. We didn't have any, any fun jokes or anything to end with this time, did we? Um, no. Hey, did I tell you about the dream I had last night? No. I dreamt I was a muffler. A muffler? Yeah, I woke like up. Like a car muffler. Yeah, I woke up exhausted. Oh my goodness. All right. All right, guys. We're gone. Uh, Carrie, edit that out or someone edit that out. <laughs> Folks, we'll talk to you next week. We'll continue this conversation and we'll try to bring up, you know, some better understanding of both sides of the position and deal with some relevant scriptures. And, uh, we'll try to have a little bit better jokes next time as well. <laughs> hey, that, that's like my best one. <laughs> See you next week. You have been listening to Theology Unplugged. Visit our iTunes page by searching Theology Unplugged at the iTunes Store. All episodes are available as free downloads. These broadcasts are made possible by Reclaiming the Mind Ministries. Reclaiming the Mind Ministries is a listener-supported ministry. If you enjoyed this session or benefited from it in any way, do consider partnering with us. For more information on how to become a ministry partner and for a complete listing of ministry resources, visit our homepage at www.reclaimingthemind.org. Thanks for listening, and God bless.